Okay, so I am to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God, First Peter 4, 2. I get that, and hopefully you do too, but how? How do I live my life no longer pursuing what King me wants, but instead living daily, living moment by moment for the will of God? It starts with this. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, Ephesians 5.17. Colossians 1.9 says we're to be filled with the knowledge of His will. Acts 22.14 tells us the God of our fathers has appointed you to know His will. How do I know the will of God? Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode 126, entitled, Free to Trust. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, that God has made known to us the mystery of His will. In other words, it is possible to know what God's will is for you. How so? because he's made known to you the mystery of his will, and he's done so within the pages of Scripture. David writes in Psalm 119, verse 45, I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. In other words, what he's saying is, I can go through life confident that I'm walking in your will because I'm daily in your word. It begins with you choosing daily to dig into the Word of God, for you choosing daily to fill your mind and your heart with His truth, which in turn will enable you to counter the enemy's lies. Let me repeat what I just said. Listen, watch this now. You and I can go through life fully confident that we're walking in obedience to His will only as we choose daily to dig into His God word, God's Word, as we choose daily to fill our mind and our heart with His truth, which in turn, as we do that, it enables us to counter the lies of the enemy because we know the truth, and the truth is what will set us free. David puts it this way in Psalm 119, verse 9, 11, and 105. He says, How can a man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, Be in God's Word, study God's Word, meditate on God's Word, walk in obedience to God's Word, and you will know the will of the God of the Word. In an earlier episode of this podcast, we talked about choosing to trust God fully and unreservedly. We're to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make our paths straight, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So as you learn to fully trust your Creator, as you discover how to truly rely and depend upon your Heavenly Father, as you daily choose to put all of your focus upon the Savior of your soul and worship the God of the universe as the only Lord and the only leader of your life, that's when you will in turn develop an understanding of God's will for you. I mean, after all, how can you possibly expect to know the will of God when your focus and attention is completely on the will of King me? worshiping yourself. The only way that we will know and understand what God's will is, is if we choose daily to deny ourselves, die to ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him, Luke 9.23. You see, only then will He equip us with everything good that we may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, Hebrews 13.21. 
no matter what, it always comes back to a choice, a daily choice, sometimes a moment-by-moment choice. We saw in our last week's episode, Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Choose, therefore, to stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I want you to think about where your focus is. Is it on King Me or God? Remember a couple of episodes ago, we talked about Matthew 6, 24, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to love the one and hate the other or cling to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both King Me and God. So where is your focus? Is it on King Me? I want, I need, I deserve, I desire, I have to have, I can't live without. Or is your focus on God? Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Know God. Serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and he understands every plan and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off. 1 Chronicles 28, 9. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. As you do that, you'll begin to understand what his will for you is. Now, here's a powerful question for you. Consider this from Galatians chapter 4, verse 9. Now that you have come to know God, or, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn your back? Are you listening? Are you watching this? How can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Are you grasping what the question is? You've come to know God. You're, if you're a born-again believer, you know God. He knows you. He knows you by name. You're one of his sheep. So how can you turn your back to the to King Me, to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, and be a slave once more to the desires of, of the sinful desires of King Me. How, why? Why would you do that? What say you? Now, 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 now that you're a child of God, let's go put it this way. Now that you're a child of God, a born again believer who's been set free, why choose to turn back to those old sinful sexual desires? Turning your back on God, who's the one that set you free? Why? Why are we choosing to allow King Me to rule the roost once again? especially when we already know from past experience what a lousy dictator King Me is. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 says, Whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Those are Jesus' words. Listen to them again. You will know the truth, and it's the truth that will set you free. The people answered Jesus, we're the offspring of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. So how is it going to say, you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed, John 8, 32 through 36. Here's a fact. Watch this now. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, 2 Corinthians 5.10. So listen, you go right ahead. You blame your upbringing, blame your environment, blame your spouse, blame your circumstances, blame the situations that are surrounding you, blame the neighbor's noisy lawnmower if you want to. 
However, when you stand before God, any of those excuses, all of those excuses won't hold any water with him to whom we must give account, Hebrews 4.13. So be careful, be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to keep his commandments, to cling to him, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, Joshua 22, verse 5. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose. Choose right here. Choose right now. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, Joshua twenty four fifteen. Listen, never forget that the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death, Romans 8, 2. That's why we're to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Hebrews 10.23. You are to be watchful. You are to stand firm in the faith. You are to act like men and be strong, 1 Corinthians 16.13. We're seeing the will of God being described to us in Scripture. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain, 1 Corinthians 15.58. Listen, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27, verse 1. In Psalm 24, verse 8, as he's thinking and contemplating on the character of God, David asks this powerful question, who is this king of glory? And then he answers it by saying, the Lord. In other words, Jehovah, strong and mighty. The Lord, Jehovah, mighty in battle, that is who is the king of glory. That's who is our light. That's who's our salvation. That's who is our stronghold. This is who cares deeply about you, my friend. Are you hearing me? Are you listening? Are you understanding? Are you comprehending? Are you grasping this? He cares deeply about you. David cries out in Psalm chapter 8, verse 9, O Lord, Jehovah, our Lord, Jehovah, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Not King me, not, not me, not you, him, his name is majestic in all the earth. And in Psalm 27, verse 1, David is declaring to the world that it is Jehovah. It is the Lord that is your light. The Lord is your salvation. It's Jehovah. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's the Lord who is the stronghold of your life. It is because the God who cares about you, Jehovah, that you have nothing and no one to fear. Only the Lord, only Jehovah, can be and is our light and our salvation, the the, the stronghold of our life. That is why we can cast all our anxieties on him. Why? Because he, who, the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jehovah, the strong and mighty, the the one mighty in battle, the, the one who is our salvation, our stronghold, the Lord cares for us, 1 Peter 5, 7. Think about that. Let that let that settle deep into your mind and your heart. God cares about you. That means you can cast all of your anxieties upon him. How many? All. And what does all mean? All means all. And that's all all means. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. First Peter 5, 7. Now, notice it says cast them. 
Don't just show them to them as if they're on display behind a, a tempered glass of high security vault material. Don't don't just casually mention to them your your cares and anxieties to him like like the end credits to a movie. Cast them, throw them, utterly and totally get rid of them. Willingly choose daily, willingly choose moment by moment to voluntarily place all of your anxieties, all of your cares, everything upon the God who cares for you. Why? Because he's Jehovah. He's the Almighty. He is the most sovereign, the salvation, the stronghold of your life. He is the strong and mighty one who cares for you. I want you to understand this. Listen carefully. Watch this. You and everything about you are of high importance to the almighty, all-powerful, most holy, sovereign designer and creator of the universe. You, my friend, your thoughts, your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations, your fears, your anxieties, everything about you is of greatest concern and interest to the almighty. That's why Psalm 55, verse 22 commands us to give our burdens to the Lord. He, the Lord, Jehovah, will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Psalm 55, 22. Think about that. Let that, let that ruminate in your, in your heart and in your mind. The Lord, Jehovah, the Almighty God cares about you. Now, I admit, sometimes... That's a bit hard to wrap your brain around. David ponders that point in Psalm 8, verse 4, when he asks, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? In other words, he's saying, How can the holy, almighty, perfect, sinless God of the universe, the creator of everything, possibly care about dirty, rotten, ugly, sinful me when I am such a screw-up? Can you relate? Why on earth, or why in heaven, why in the universe would God want to have anything to do with me when I turn to t- t- tend to turn my back on Him almost daily? Well, as far as as hard as that may be to grasp, the fact is, Ephesians five twenty five, Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Let me just point out the fact that the church. It's not referring to the building down the street. The church includes you. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're a born-again believer, you're a part of the church, His body. Let me repeat Ephesians 5.25 and understand that when I say the church, you put your own name in there. Christ loved the church. He loved me. He loved you and gave Himself up for you, for me. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I continue my faithfulness to you, Jeremiah 31.3. John 3.16 reminds us that God demonstrated his love for us when he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die, to be crucified, to be sacrificed on the cross for you and for me, that whoever, whoever, that includes you, whoever believes in him, that includes me, whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 Now, it's going to feel a little awkward here, but we're going to hit the pause button again because our next episode is going to go deep in in another topic, and I I want to make sure that we have time to, to cover it all. So we're going to pause until next week's episode.
If you'd like to learn more about this study, or if you're interested in learning more about our ministry, the Pure Men Ministry, also known as the Purity Coach, go to our website, thepuritycoach.com, thepuritycoach.com. And uh, again, if you're really interested in going deep in this topic that we've covered over the last three episodes, then I want to encourage you to go to Amazon and, and purchase my book that I've written entitled Overcoming Temptation, Four Steps to Spiritual Victory. Again, that's Overcoming Temptation, Four Steps to Spiritual Victory, and that's available on Amazon. And I want to, I want to close out this episode one more time by, by reminding you of my newest book that has just come out, The Point of Purity Workbook. It also is available on Amazon, as are all my books. This workbook, it's a 12-week journey through Scripture. And its whole purpose is to help you discover the point of purity. Why should I be pure? What's the point? What's wrong with a little forbidden pleasure from time to time? What's wrong with a little little lustful glance? What's the point of purity? And, and you'll also learn how to get to the point. How do, I, how do I become a pure man living daily in freedom and victory over my sexual temptations? This Point of Purity workbook, as I said, is a 12-week journey, but it's written in such a way that you can do it on your own, or you can do it with an accountability partner, or you can do it with a small group. And I'd encourage you to do it with somebody. Get, get someone to come alongside of you and, and go through this 12-week study together. I guarantee it'll be beneficial to both of you. The problem we're struggling with is not sexual temptation. The real problem is our worship. And that's what the Point of Purity workbook, that 12-week deep dive into Scripture, is, is, is covering the study on how do I worship King, how do I get the King me off the throne and worship God? How do I allow God to be Lord and leader of every part of my life? So I encourage you, go to Amazon.com today and look for Overcoming Temptation, Four Steps to Spiritual Victory, as well as The Point of Purity Workbook. I also want to encourage you, if you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, oh, listen, I, I urge you, I encourage you, I challenge you, I dare you, <laughs> do so today. Subscribe. I don't want you to miss any of the upcoming episodes. So until next time, this is author, national speaker, and purity coach, Steve Etner, reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, you must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. <laughs>